0: everybody said praise the Lord amen you can be seated this morning we want to thank each one for making the choice and the decision to be present this morning and uh, just a little bit more about just a little bit and we thank the Spirit of God to be here to teach us and to feed our soul the bread of life which we know is the tree of life that is in our midst today amen And our commission is to eat the book eat the book and we're guaranteed that in our belly or mouth it shall be sweet but in our belly it shall be bitter we're looking at the subject this morning the kingdom or actually I put down quickly this week back to the garden of God I should have put onward to the garden of God because we're not going back we're going forward it's a circle you start in a place, you make a circle until you come back to the place. We start in what was called the Garden of God that we refer to as the Garden in Eden in the book of Genesis. And that's where we'll start this morning, back to the book of Genesis. And we're gleaning these thoughts from the message, Christ is a mystery of God, reveal. Uh, are we hooked up this morning with Missouri or not? Are we? We are. Okay. We welcome them in their midst this morning. Glad I can't see who all is missing, but I pray and bless everyone that is there. Amen. We touched last week. It's just a continuous thought. We touched last week. Uh, I need just a little bit more volume up here. I don't know whether it's me or uh, you can hear real good, but I'm talking about me here, and I'm not interested in where you're hearing. It's too loud. It's too loud now. Okay. Just get me right, and if I'm right, everybody will be right. If God's comfortable, everybody's comfortable. Now, don't take that. That, that, Well, just let it stand. If if the Lord is easing here, then he can take over and I can relax it. But if I can't hear him, I can't hear myself. So basically hearing is the key to everything. Sounds like I got a cold. Is that all right out there? All right, we'll make it work up here. We touched last week on the subject of the kingdom and Jesus' first doctrine that he preached as the priority to his message of the kingdom of God was that you must be born again. The priority is the kingdom and the first doctrine of the kingdom is you must be born again to be able to, Jesus stated first, verily, verily, I say unto you, you must be born again to see the kingdom of God. Now we're going to start off real quickly and I want to labor this morning a couple of pages there because if we do not understand the language of the Bible we'll never understand its reality. I will admit there's portions of the Old Testament that's in figurative language symbolic language that I don't understand what it's talking about. Only through the reference where Brother Bram said well see there Ezekiel was talking about Satan's Eden then you can say okay Satan's Eden then I can figure out some of the symbolism Song of Solomon was always hard for me because it's always in symbolic language of love and the love story and looking through the lattice and all this symbolism I can probably make out whatever I want it to be you read this writer he says, well it means this this writer says it means that this is what it means that so it's symbolism but there was a spiritual reality behind the language we was visiting uh, out shopping. Really, I was looking for something. I was looking for a vest like Byron wears it, but they didn't have one. They had one with all the flowers on it, you know. And uh, two or three of the salesmen. There wasn't no customers there, so when we walked in. There's three salesmen. I said, "Oh God, we're we're the only fish in the pond. We can't even play like we're looking around and slip out." We, <laughs> I said. And he had, I said, well, you know, be nice. I, you got a nice vest on it, didn't he? said, yeah, there it is for sale. Well, when I walked up closer, it was flowers, and it was a little girly, you know. Hope the individual's not here this morning. <laughs> Which they said it was going to come, but he's not here this morning. So when I looked at it, I thought, hmm, mm, that won't look too good. Uh, might get the wrong impression, you know. So They said, oh, he's not that sure? I said, well, you know, the way you dress tells a lot of things about yourself. And what I was saying is you guys, you guys, three guys, look here like you're on the wrong side of the fence instead of on the right side of the fence, you know. Well, you know how questions go and where are you from? What do you do? You know how, well, they're trying to say you something. What do you do? So pretty soon it come down to being a preacher and where the church was and what kind of church is it and what is your services like? Do you have music? Da, 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 da. And I could tell this one waiting on me, he had some kind of background, and I figured it was a Catholic, and after a little while he admitted that he was. I knew this young Oriental guy, I don't know what brand he was, but he was a sharp dresser, man. He had some, whew, he was sharp. And as we talked along, he was an agnostic. And I promised Orville was with me, I didn't bring up the subject, but guess where they went to? The Garden of Eden. I said, oh, Lord, let me get out of here, buy a vest, buy a necktie, do something, get out of here. But the anointing come. I said, yeah, but, yeah, we're in Garden of Eden. I said, most people don't believe what went on there. And this one gentleman says, well, what do you think it was? I said, I pray that I don't hurt your feelings, but I'm going to tell you exactly what it was. Well, the anointing come down and opened my mouth. Now, about 30 minutes later, they was wanting you to get you out of the store. <laughs> And he said, well, I'm an agnostic. I said, one thing for sure, when we get on the other side, I won't be where you're at. He looked at me and said, you won't be where I'm at? I said, no, you're going that way and I'm going this way. I've got a promise of eternal life. You don't have a promise at all. He said, that's true. I said, what are you looking for after death? Where are you going? If I'd had another hour, I could have made him a believer, I think. But he knew a little bit about his a Bible because his mom always took him to church Whatever more. But they got to the Garden of Eden of what the tree was. Isn't it amazing how everybody wants to know where they come from? But isn't it amazing how little anybody knows about the simple story of the fall of man? You can kick in your computer and everybody likes to look at that. And you can look up The two trees in the garden, and you'll find this historical, theological viewpoint of words to where they come down to figure out a word meant fruit, which actually had a definition partly of an apple. So that's how the theologians come down to the fruit of the tree was an apple. The Jewish theologian or rabbi says, no, it had to be a fig. And one says, it's a peach. And one says, it's an apricot. I asked the young man, I said, now, if the fruit was an apple, I said, even as cold as it is outside, most of the women are naked. If an apple caused them to know and understand they were naked, would an apple do the same thing to them today? Because an apple is an apple. And if ever seed produced after its own kind, the apple in the garden is still an apple today. If an apple had that effect on the eater, it would have the same effect on the eater today. So we need to stand out on a corner with a bushel of apples. And every time a woman comes by, hand her one. And every time she gets to the corner, she would cover herself up. He kind of grinned. He said, yeah, I see your point. But last week we touched on the new birth, or you must be born again to understand. Now when Jesus said see, the little interpretation means that it must be something visible, tangible to be able to see it. Now you know that God is invisible. Just like I told the agnostic. I said the reason why you're an agnostic is because you have never seen God. You've never felt God. And you can't take His Word by faith and form a picture or a revelation of God. Therefore see the story of redemption and trust in God for the salvation of your soul. He said that could be true. I said, you've seen people that claim to be born again that you knew were hypocrites. You went to church and seen the fallacy of religion. But you've never experienced the reality of salvation. Because Christianity is not a religion. It is a personal revelation to you of redemption, and pretty soon he had his head down. They didn't argue. Well, it was a nice conversation, and basically, I left. I like the anointing. Don't think what you're going to say, but speak. Right. We know there was a lie in the garden that started everything, and the reason why you're here today and your bodies with problems that you got. The greatest lie in the garden today, which that's where we're in the presence of the tree of life this morning. But Satan is still there, and we'll get to it in a few minutes in our text. The greatest lie today by Satan, dressed up as the mediator and interpreter of God, speaking for God, is that you are saved when you are not. He convinces you that you are born again, and that by his carnal interpretation and you agreeing with it, therefore you have Salvation and eternal life, which is the great lie today. Only the very elect has an ear to understand symbolic language to be able to see and understand the kingdom of God, which is the Holy Spirit manifested in flesh. If you are born again today, which means you have the very life or attribute or a part of God in you, then that spirit is In you, its king is its own self, which is God, the Holy Spirit. We are a part of the kingdom of God. In other words, we are the residents, are the invisible house where God's throne is, is in the human heart. When you become obedient to that Spirit, which is the Word, then you visibly represent or express. The invisible kingdom, as Jesus said, when you see me, you see the Father, which is the Holy Spirit or the Word made flesh. We have it in a very small measure. Very small. Our problem is, by listening to a prophet, and I'm already off my text, is that we think now, the threefold mystery of Christ, God taking preeminence in Christ, which is oneness, one with him, As we'll see, He is to take preeminence in His church, the same as He did in Jesus, to take us back to what He called the Garden of God, or back to Eden. Now remember, back to Eden does not mean to go back. It means to go forward to the promise of Abraham, which was a city whose builder and maker was God, which is New Jerusalem. And New Jerusalem is the Garden of God, or the destination of our promise. Yes. So we're going forward to an eternal promise. We're almost there to the place that we're going to fulfill a space of time called the millennium. Yes. In the millennium, you'll have both a spiritual and a literal kingdom set up because Jesus will be in a physical, liberal body. We will be there too. We will build a natural or a literal kingdom temple and there will be worship of some sort There's only a space of time with further sanctification leading us and projecting us to the destination of immortality living in the presence of God and called New Jerusalem or the city of God now we can spend hours trying to explain the inner workings of that city if you go to Revelation you'll get some kind of symbolic language and you notice the tree of life is there, and also the bride is there. So we see this plan laid out, and there's actually three gardens that actually unfolds the plan of Almighty God. In the beginning, we go back to the garden in Eden. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. And you'll see the fall of man is placed outside of the garden, which is the literal presence of God. The tree of life, the access to the Logos of God face to face, is closed up. It's outside of the presence. We claim that we are in the presence now because we received a message by a mouthpiece of God telling us that He is here. The tree of life, the bread of life, which is the tree of life, is here in our midst that we call the Logos, the Word, or God Himself. He is that bread that has come down from heaven. If Jesus said, I am the bread of life, He he could have also said, I am the tree of life. Now, if the tree of life had a seed and it had a root and it grows up and produces fruit, the fruit on the end of the tree would actually be the Word of God or the teachings of the kingdom of God that we could eat of. And it would transform itself from a spiritual food into a revelation of ourselves and unionize with us that we would be absolutely become one with the thinker and the thoughts of Almighty God. And we would be governed by that because when the evil is taken away, there will there be no resistance? We will be governed by that, absolutely be in harmony and a flow of loving each other and doing the will of God. Perfect picture. Then we come to the Garden of Gethsemane, where there's a tree in the garden, which now that tree is in literal flesh, Jesus. He prevailed in the garden, sweated till great drops of blood come forth out of his skin, and then the Spirit of the life left him. He went to Calvary as a mortal man, a tree, and was hanged on the tree as a curse for our redemption move all the way over to the the resurrection through the church ages. Now in the New Jerusalem, you find the tree there with the bride as one husband and wife, totally restored back to what we call the original plan of God, back to the garden of God where man is fellowshipping as God as the head, ruling over his family as a king and kingdom over the whole world. That new Jerusalem, which we're off our subject already, and the new Jerusalem would be pyramid, fifteen hundred miles, and if there's twelve apostles, there's twelve gates to the city. If you put a fifteen hundred mile uh, throne or pyramid building here on earth, it would cover, like Brother Brown said, from Jeffersonville to so and so to so and so, it would cover up a great quality of the earth, so the nations of the earth can have gates. Countries on that side of it would come in through three gates. The countries on this side of them would come in through three gates, three gates, three gates. In other words, they would be gates to the different kingdoms of the world divided into four sections. They would eat from the tree of life and the bride of Christ for the healing of their nations. In other words, when they come out, they would not be at war with each other. be in fellowship and what more to bring harmony and peace to all the nations and tribes and whatever more is out here. It will be a perfect government of God with the Holy Spirit as the capstone in that city being the sun and the moon and the light thereof, overseeing everything and everybody on earth can see God at all times. The Lord. So by seeing His presence and representation as the capstone, we will live with peace on earth, goodwill to man. Amen. Amen. All right. So as I said, we touched last week on the new birth and the new born be born again. And we notice that uh, Jesus, when he asked Nicodemus, being a rabbi and a teacher, we notice that Nicodemus said, we know that you are a rabbi or a teacher that come from God. Because no man can do the miracles that you do unless God be with him. All right, now that's pretty good as far as recognizing God doing something. Uh, That's getting pretty close. Brother Brown, we know that God's with you because no man could do these things that's a sent from God, these miracles that you do. Can you tell us more about it? You know, what? We know you're a man sent from God. But if you'll notice the key there, that Jesus didn't even recognize His compliment of who He was because He misplaced Him. He didn't put Him as the Messiah or the prophet of the hour, recognizing the Word of God. The commission and confession that He would come. He didn't recognize that manifestation of the Word fulfilled in flesh. He didn't understand who Jesus was in the physical, visible form. He understood that there was to be one as a teacher by reading scriptures over here, a promised son, he shall come, so and so and so and so by the prophets. He knew there was one coming, but when the word was interpreted in front of him in flesh, he could not recognize the word, spiritual word, living in a fleshly body. Jesus couldn't even do a miracle or even say anything that would give them the key to unlock the understanding within them because, to who He was, which is the key to the soul being released called the new birth. Peter, who do you say that I am? Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And remember now, He said, now flesh and blood, that's Him. You didn't see this through what me, or you didn't uh, recognize the word in flesh. But flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. Now heaven could be in the inner soul. It could be in another dimension. It could be present with him that you can't see. Heaven means something, a sphere above you. There's an anointing around you or above your own thinking that gives you an understanding. Flesh and blood do not reveal to you that I am the Messiah, that I am the Christ. You didn't look at my body and know that I am the anointed one that I am present with you. Because my Father which is in heaven has revealed this to you. And what did he reveal? He revealed the invisible word made flesh. Brother Bram said, if you only knew who I was, you would be healed. Okay, now what kind of statement is that? Well, Brother Brown, we know that you're a prophet. We know that you fulfilled Malachi 4. We uh, we know you're the greatest prophet to ever lived. We we know we know we hundred wish you want more. How come they weren't healed? They was only looking at the flesh, they couldn't see the kingdom of God. They couldn't see the invisible one. Those same people today still do not understand. I'll put understand mean they do not understand. The presence or they can't see the presence here manifested in the true believer they can't see it and the reason why they can't see it there's a stipulation you must be born again without the new birth without the Holy Spirit in flesh speaking to you and quickening your soul giving you an inner relationship an inner eye of faith to be able to understand, not see visibly, understand. And accept that understanding by faith, making it your confession. Because until you make this message your confession, it is not sealed to your account as you being a witness or a believer. You can be a hearer, you can be a spectator, you can be a listener all your life until you. Express out of your mouth, Lord, I confess and believe. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And the Bible said, if you confess Him as Lord, you shall be saved. Many people do not confess Him as Lord. They confess Him as one, two, or third person in the Godhead. They confess Him as being God, which is real lofty. They express Him as whatever thing, but they don't make Him Lord. Well, if he's my big brother, why should I make him Lord? I'm going to serve God because he is made headship over the family of God as our king for a space of time to fulfill the promise of dominion over the earth as the family. The kingdom of God is, this is, the millennium is not the Garden of Eden that you're going to, it is a type of the kingdom or the dominion and authority of God over a group of people teaching you and taking preeminence and enlightening you that you can live in the presence of god in the heavenly city throughout the ages and rule and judge the kings and kingdoms thereafter a great lofty picture i noticed this morning real early they are still trying to figure out how the navy pilots are seeing these flying saucers unidentified objects now they're classifying them because they know more about it than they want the public to understand. The Catholic Church is the one that wants to seal up the information. Because if they're extraterrestrial uh, beings, then they're afraid that it'll take away from the headship of the church and let people know there's a spiritual kingdom out there, there's spiritual realities, there's angels. Therefore, there had to be Jesus who come and went, angels who come and go. There's a higher realm up here called the Kingdom of God, and the church on earth is not in charge. Why would you think God would put His earth and give His authority to a man? I wouldn't turn everything over to a man. So, ask this gentleman: You think God built His kingdom or on Peter? That's what the Catholics believe. I said, uh, some of them may be a Catholic. One well, nod his head, he was. I said, do you think he built his kingdom on Peter? He wasn't strong enough. He didn't make it through the first test. Denied it with, uh, Jesus three times and even cursed. So it's not Peter. It's on a revelation of who Jesus is, which is was the Word or the kingdom of God made manifest. When I say kingdom... I mean the governing factor, the strength, the power, the authority that was using and expressing itself through this man. Man cannot do what God can do. Amen. Amen. So when Brother Bram said, I take every spirit here under my control for the glory of God, if that is true, then he should have, while he had your spirit under his control, brought you to the altar, converted you, and sent you back as a cult member or a church member of the kingdom of God. He can only take every spirit under His control according to the authority of God. And anything against the Word of God would be stand still so the Spirit of God would have the liberty to preach the Word of God that the whosoever will or let you free enough so you can make a choice in your own heart to accept God or to reject God. See, until the Holy Spirit breaks the anointing on you of unbelief, See, so I'm an agnostic. Well, then there's a spirit on you. You may not be an agnostic in the soul. You may be a predestinated seed of God down here. But you will be an agnostic as long as there is a spirit of darkness overriding or taking authority over this soul for you to express yourself. And only the spirit of God, by the preaching of the word, can come and break or move the power of Satan aside By the authority of our ministry as who we are, we have the authority to take every spirit of the devil, unbelief, under our control. In other words, hold your peace until the gospel is preached that the individual can make his choice to serve or to reject the word of God. As soon as the gospel is preached you make your choice, the power will move back over you. Or if you make your choice to accept then the power within you starts fighting the battle to bring and liberate yourself into the kingdom of God. That's the great warfare of being born again. All right. Now, Jesus questioned, I got in you know, Jesus questioned even Nicodemus' understanding of the scriptures even. He said, you being a teacher, uh, uh, that you don't understand what being born again means. So Jesus, uh, Nicodemus could not interpret the manifested word in flesh. When we read the Bible, what we are doing, therefore, we understand that the Bible is a spiritual book spoken in spiritual language, which is symbolic, which is figurative, which is veiled and crouched, that only God's Spirit can open its understanding to who He wants to understand. We find that dilemma in Jesus' teaching because He preached in parables. The kingdom of God is like a sword. The kingdom of God is like a corn. The kingdom of God is like a woman that put in three mil- The kingdom of God is wheat and tares. The kingdom of God is like unto two. The kingdom of God is like unto a sword. The t- disciples sat there with Jesus. When he, they heard His story, they walked by and said, Now, what does this parable mean? Nobody understands what you really said. It was a nice story, but what are you really saying? And Jesus makes this wonderful statement. He said, I spoke in parables, lest those Pharisees out here, the religious leaders, your smart intellectual people, would understand and be saved. Well, I thought he wanted everybody to be saved. He only come to seek and to save those that were in him or that were children of God. You say, well, that's not like church that we know. No, it's not like church because most people's church is a religion. You're still following the same methodology of religion. Give them a creed, bring them to the altar, shake hands, put them on the roll, tell them how much money you've got to pay, what you've got to learn, whatever more, and make a religious robot out of everybody. The message has done the same thing. We're more religious and denominational than the denominations are sometimes. What's So he said, now, to be a spiritual, to understand spiritual language, that's what the Bible is written in, you've got to be uh, spiritually in tune with the author or the writer. And that is not spiritually in tune with clothes or whatever more. That's spiritually in tune inwardly. There has to be something in you that is in tune with God. The words of God does not offend the soul. I've never seen such uh, thin-skinned believers in my life that's in this message. They're legalistic idiots. Don't even have even religion. Because each little thing that is contrary to the Word of God offends me. Hallelujah. So therefore, I'm going to bail out of this thing. Well, good riddance. You say, brother Gregory how can you say good riddance they only take up space they only bring a bad hypocritical spirit into the service trying to find I think every one of them are Democrats now don't let me offend you now Democrats I can break that down and make it real simple demon Democrats I made a statement, one guy, he talked to me every now and then, oh, he was for Hillary, he was a Democrat, oh, glory to God. I said, look, brother, he's telling me how he predestinated he was, and glory to God. I said, there, you can't be a Democrat and be born again. Oh, my, what are you talking about, brother? Green? You, you're not a Republican, are you? I said, no, I'm not a Republican, I'm a born-again believer. How can you believe in abortion, killing babies, and what on and on and on and on and on and call yourself a message believer? And we went on for a few minutes and he laughed and I laughed. He thought I was gone. I knew he was, so, <laughs> so to speak. So we must be sincere seekers of truth. For it is is God who is doing the speaking to us that wrote the Bible. It is God doing the speaking to us interpreting the Bible. Always remember, no matter how we dislike how God's order is, He only uses men to do His work. Therefore, you have a responsibility involved. If you look at the vessel... You'll either like him or you won't like him or you'll lean to the vessel. you become a preacher, right? You'll become this and a follower of so-and-so. And if you do, if he goes down the tube, you'll usually go down the tube with him. You listen to the Word. The Holy Spirit is the governing agent in the body of Christ. He is King. And today he is to be recognized in the presence as the Teacher. Nicodemus recognized by the Word, but he misplaced Jesus. The people today misplaced Jesus. They're trying to go back to a prophet. They're trying to go back to Pentecost, say, that's Jesus, that's Jesus. And it was then. But what is the veil and the role that Jesus is in today? You need not that any man teach you in the kingdom of God or in the bright age. But the anointing, listen, the anointing that is in you shall teach you the all things of God, which is the mysteries that we're looking at right now. So we could study them and preach and teach and teach and teach. But unless you're in tune with God, you are a seeker of truth. Because remember, if you ask, it shall be given to you. Therefore we are to ask for the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him, as Paul prayed, that when the Holy Spirit comes in a form of a pillar of fire once again, in which He has come, identified Himself, and is here now in a form, that we're having problems to identify because it's not in the form that we want Him to be. So you have to ask and you have to seek until you find. Amen. How are you going to find? You have an inner teacher that can say amen, and the ear inside of you can hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, which is the word vocalized through the instrumentality of a man. You can reduce it down to a ministry, which it is, because one day we will understand that we're all parts and agents and amateur gods, sons and daughters of God, with the great invisible spirit living within us, controlling and manipulating the body of Christ, which is visible. Yes. Amen. The only problem we got now is when we were born, the fall in the garden. We'll get to it in a few minutes, if the Lord permits. If we don't, we'll get to it next week that we were come here to come to what we would call, let's call it a word body or a spoken word body by Adam and Eve participating of the law of the tree of life to bring forth sons and daughters or attributes of God of which Jesus of Nazareth, the Son of God, would be the firstborn son of Adam and Eve through the spoken word even as He come through God through the womb of Mary. He would be the firstborn son of Adam and Eve. We would also come in a specific way and come forth with a body that was designed before we got here. Because when you remember, when you come here, there's already a spirit waiting for the body to enter into. The natural birth is a type. We would have been born with the body that we bypassed because of the fall. Now then, we look at the complete cycle because we're looking for the resurrection. And the resurrection only speaks of God's presence being here. And that the bodies that we bypass before the foundation of the world. They will enter into the resurrection and be born again into their real body. One with the theophany that we call a glorified body or a glorified son and daughter of God. Even as Jesus through his resurrection took on that glorified body. You say, well, the natural body and the mortal body and the theophany blend together and immortalizes and gives us a body that can absolutely be visible to you now and then can absolutely spiritualize that you can almost see through it as a cloud enter into another dimension and go like a thought into a light that will appear to the marriage supper of the Lamb. We can also come back and see it as a cloud or a crystal form and materialize that it can be seen. You say, well, you've been watching too many science fiction movies. Well, where did the science fiction devils get it from? Because Brother Brown said they couldn't come up unless the Spirit was there and that form was there, but it comes to their mind and they're only expressing what the Spirit is dealing with them. Right. Satan knows a whole lot more about the kingdom of God and the things of God than Christians do right now. Don't think you're going to outsmart the devil and don't think you're going to get more revelation than he's got. And don't think you're going to outshine him, outsmart him, or whatever more. You can't do it outside of election and predestination and unless God's grace and mercy is distinguished to us, he will deceive and lie to us and we will believe it and follow him into destruction, just like everybody else does out of the kingdom of God. You can't outsmart him, you can't him, you can't outpray him, you can't outshine him. He is a master at deception. And he is a total reflection of the Son of God, even as twins. He is the anointed cherubim that was in the presence of God and always has access to the presence of God outside of the New Jerusalem, and he will not have access or entrance into it. We will be free from that rascal once and for all. Without being born again, Jesus will no more speak to you or I through anybody any more than Jesus spoke to Herod. If you go back and read the story, Herod questioned him, and he didn't say a word. He wouldn't even talk to him. People say, I pray and I pray and pray. I can't get God to talk to me. Something is not right. You say, what can't be right, Brother Gregory? I'm sincere. Well, I'll put it like this. I was praying about an individual that had failed a few weeks ago. And I don't like to say God told me because the people begin to think, well, who do you think you are? But I was praying, and God gave me an inward thought. The problem with the man, he was not baptized correctly. Therefore, he didn't have the tie post and he fell. The question arises, and if the man is baptized correctly, could that tie post be quickened and basically continue on as an anointed son of God? Yes, if he would repent. Repent means he had to change his mind about the doctrine and his faith that he took before God. He couldn't be a oneness. And most people in the message does not take the faith or their confession to the water. And even Nicodemus was a type that Jesus did not accept his confession, even though Nicodemus named him correctly in one of his titles, but he misplaced him in his season. If you ever wonder why Brother Branham told the Pentecostal age, preachers, everybody else around him, his whole church and everything, after the seals was opened and he understood the revealed word and began the bride age, which was a kingdom age for transformation and immortality, you had to be birthed into this new age. 1965, after he laid it all down, one of his last messages was, You must, our birth is to be, called birth pains. Birth pains to me is only transitioning from the Pentecostal age and doctrine and understanding of who you was and what you was and what all you done for God. Be willing to lay it all aside and enter into the kingdom of God even as a child that you don't know nothing and you repent and you go back to the water and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ according to thus saith the Lord to be able to enter into the bride age which is the revelation of the presence of almighty God to prepare you for the, the body change and the catching away bride age is an age that was missing It was a mystery. We did not know it until God Himself come down at the end of the Pentecostal age as the judge. He condemned the Pentecostals, put them on trial, and said, Thus saith the Lord, I indict you for the second crucifixion. He shut the door on it, and then He said, Come out of her, my people. Which we're looking at the tight now of the Pentecostal age, that era which the Holy Spirit was the leader. They did not have a messenger. It's like being in Eden. I taught the Pentecostal age to Eden. That's the church. All right, now God forms you and takes you out of Eden. As, well, I'm off my schedule, so I'll just talk for 30 minutes or so. He takes Adam and Eve, which is now one, which you and I now, by the new birth, is one. All right, now what are you one with? You're only one with that soul, that representation of the body that you missed. You're one. Male, female is now one. You say, well, I'm going to get one with Jesus. When we see Jesus, He'll be in a mortal body or a physical body, and we'll be in physical bodies. And we're not one per se as one. We'll still be one, two, three, four, five, however thousands there. But we'll all be one with a soul in us, which is now part of God, all unionized as one mind, one thought, one body, one function, and one goal. I'm one with myself. I am one with the original body and the plan that God had of me. I now understand. Lord, Jesus, y'all pull. He'll keep answering. I'll learn something here in a minute. We're all in the Lamb's book of life. Remember, there's a book of life. And in that book of life is a section called the Lamb's book of life. Adam and Eve, which was the church, was in Eden. Let's call that the Pentecostal age or the church. They was picked up. God planted a garden in Eden, which the garden of Eden should be a garden in Eden because God planted it. So everything in that garden was a part and an attribute of God, period. Adam was not there. There's something different from Adam, this first Adam, that's different from the last Adam. Brother Branham called him the second Adam, but the Bible says the last Adam. Which one was one means and one was the other that was not exactly alike. Okay? So he takes this church or this member, this son, and put him into the inner chamber, the holiest of all, called the garden of God. Let's call it the presence of the pillar of fire himself, even as the high priest entered into the holiest holies. Where life was, the manna was, all that. He put man in this sphere, this atmosphere, this anointing. Now then it was spiritual, but it was also physical, yeah. material. Nothing in there could fall. Everything was perfect. And he puts man in there after he separates. And now then they're in the paradise of God, in the presence of God. But also there is Satan there also. That's yeah. just like the church. In this hour, we were in the church ages. We were in Eden. God comes down in Eden. And he sets up another little sphere. He opens the door back into the presence of God. It's been closed all these years. He opens the door, a portal, a revelation, an understanding, back into the presence of God. We hear by the voice of a prophet. We hear and speak to us. We know that it rings the bell inside of us. We know that there's something there. We listen to the tapes. That's reading everybody tapes, 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 tapes. Why? Because there's an anointing attraction and a pulling on the tapes. But you can't consistently feed on the anointing without entering into the gate. You've got to come past the physical gate. It's not Brother Branham, Brother Branham, Brother Branham. It is God Himself who is life that you're feeding off of. And you've got to go through the gate which is water, baptism, the water of the Word and the Spirit of God being present to feed on what you call the message of the hour. You've got to come out of the church into this special little realm here called the presence or the bride age. The bride age is no more in symbolism than the Garden of Eden was here on earth. That was God's headship. That was God's authority. That was His revealed self, the Word. And that's where you and I are sitting this morning by the grace of God. Amen. Amen. That almost gets you out of breath. But since we are in the conditions of Eden, remember now, in the seals, Brother Bram said, He's going to take you back to Eden. We say, oh, that's the Garden of Eden. No, Eden was not the Garden of Eden. There's a revelation in Eden. There was something in Eden that you had to get to. That's the reason He said, come out of her, my people. And now we're in this exodus, Remember? We're in this exodus with God's method of a prophet and a pillar of fire. Oh, well, the promised land is a type of the Garden of Eden. No, 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 no. The promised land is a type of the millennium that we have to fight and restructure and war through and build and restructure all, everything. Because it, remember, when we come back in Revelation 19, yes. we come back with the wrath of Lamb to wipe out and destroy Every unbeliever on the earth to set up a literal kingdom of God, which we are now the ruling members of and the family of. We are the queen, so to speak. But you're not there yet. You are to fulfill a commission. And that commission was you are gifted. Every member in the body of Christ that will be in the millennium is gifted to carry out a mission, an assignment, and a goal. And it will not be completed with every member, every cell, with that special gift, that special urge, that special spirit, that special anointing on you to fulfill its goal, to renovate the earth for 1,000 years. There will be enforcers. There will be rulers. There will be uh, state police. There will be the priests of God, which is the enforcers. And the millennium won't be this... Oh, the we're not back to the Garden of Eden yet. We're only in back to Eden. Now we're going on to New Jerusalem. Praise be to God. We're still being controlled. I've said this over and over, and I'll get back to my notes in a few minutes so don't run out of time. We're still controlled by God's visit to Abraham, which is the father of faith. You're not going anywhere with God without faith. Faith is the substance of the things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. We see churches falling apart today because of this seek the sign questioning Brother Branham's vindication. If I can prove that Brother Branham was not vindicated... Then by Scripture and by the law of God, I am not subject to what he said or anything else. So why would I search day in and day out to try to prove that I don't have to be subject to the teachings? Something wrong with me somewhere. Well, Brother Branham said uh, that vision, there was five birds. He said five birds. See, he said five birds. Then a few months later, he said, well, there may have been seven birds. I don't know whether I can trust him or not. He, he said five, then he said seven. My God, if that's, all I'm, if that's all my salvation is resting on, what if there was eight birds? What if there was no birds at all? The Bible still tells me I've got to be born again. I've got to get a revelation of Jesus Christ personally for myself. What does that mean, Brother Gregory? I have got to see God's Word manifested that I can see and understand who I am. I believe it. I confess it to be true. And then God confirms it in my life, making me a witness, or in the mouth of two witnesses, let every word be established. You are not going to sit in church and make it. You've got to put your confession in your mouth and God only accepts or rejects the confession of your mouth. He rejected Nicodemus' confession of who he was. And he has rejected the confession of 99% of the message people that went to the water in Jesus' name, spoke in tongues, prayed for the sick, and are even preachers. But when you get down to the revelation of their confession that they took to the water. It's not there. Water baptism is not just a command. I've said this over and over and over because it's the key to the kingdom. You've got to be born of water and the Spirit to enter into the kingdom of God. And He tells you how. What must we do to be saved? What must I do to enter into the kingdom of God? What must I do to be born again? You've got to repent. Yes, You've got to change your mind and understanding of who Jesus is. Amen. He's not just a great prophet. He wasn't somebody, he was that prophet, that Messiah, that anointed one that God said He made him both Lord yes. and Christ over his kingdom to come. Yes. Hallelujah. You take that to the water and be baptized and married to his name. You take on his name, Mrs. Jesus Christ. You become one with Him, and His inheritance becomes your inheritance. His body becomes your body. His relationship to God becomes your relationship. And if you're one with Him, and His name makes you one with God, whatever you ask in my name, the Father will do for you. Amen. Don't sit around and argue what oh, Jesus was God. He's His own Father, and da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. That's not, that's not the faith that was once delivered to the saints. When Paul said, it, never writer said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's a revelation there. Yes. But when you refuse Psalms 110.1, I've said it a thousand times in the last 25 years. But why? Because it's your interest into the kingdom. I can teach you about theophany. I can teach you about Melchizedek. We can preach and preach and preach and preach and go straight to hell with it. We see them do it every day. And it's simplicity. Have you been born again? Are you in the kingdom of God? Are you in, in one with the word? Oh, I'll I'll be. Lord, have mercy. How easy it is to cop out with a religion. Oh, we believe Joseph did. We believe this. We believe that. Come on, church. You must be born again. The Holy Spirit must be your governing factor. Amen. Therefore, we find that Jesus, even prayed, Father, I thank you that you've hid this revelation from the wise and the prudent and the intellectual. And you've veiled it to babes who will learn. How are you going to learn? Where am I in time? I, I don't, oh, just a few minutes. We'll make it. Don't worry. We'll make it. How are you going to learn? How me send your kids to school. Okay. That's good. Schools are rotten, but that's good. They learn how to be an atheist, they learn how to be a liberal idiot. They learn how to do away with cars and automobiles and go back to the dark ages and they ain't figured out how they're going to get this, all these luxuries and do away with everything. Boy, and it's going to be amazing to see them guys uh, without their cars, without their telephones, without their computers, without their lattes and all this stuff and whatever more Their jet airplanes and all. Ooh, ooh, I, I just love to see Hollywood five minutes after it falls off in the ocean. Turn out the lights, turn out the lights, and then there's be restraint. I guarantee every infidel and every agnostic that they'll be the first ones on their knees screaming out, Oh God, oh God, oh God. And you know what, just to be facetious, I guess, or whatever you call it, a little carnal, really, wouldn't you love to be there saying, He ain't here. He don't hear you. Holler a little louder. And they'll scream their guts out and say, I think he went to the bathroom. Holler a little louder. You say, why did you say that? That's what Elijah told them idiots a long time ago. Well, Brother Gregory, it's not political language to call people idiots. I was trying to figure out a word what to call them in. Willfully unlearned. How'd you like that? Willfully unlearned. Because you couldn't tie them down and put a 45 caliber pistol to their head. Promise them every great thing they can ever think of, and get them to believe it and submit to The power and the force that can provide it. So there has to be something in there that's not a part of the original creation. Not a part of God. The soul in there must be dead. But Hammy knows when he breathed into Adam's nostrils, he breathed the breath of lives, plural, life, every life and he become a living living it doesn't mean that he was alive and died living means life with no end he had a beginning but he didn't have no end praise god jesus had a beginning but he has no end amen we had a beginning but we won't have any end amen So what we find in the kingdom of God is that God is His own interpreter. And He is the writer of the book and the interpreter of the book and the prophet is His mouthpiece or men that He calls to be able to understand or to write down the language that God speaks in because many of the prophets wrote down the books and the words and they didn't have a clue what they were saying. You say, well, I don't believe that. That's all right. You don't have to. We'll get this little point and we'll close. To interpret means to explain the original in the original sense of a speaker or writer. To interpret literally means to explain the in the original sense of the speaker or writer according to the proper usage of words, of which I have very little and like there a lot. So we find that symbols and figures of speech are types such as referring to people as sheep and goats. The great uses in the Bible is referring to people as trees. What do you see, Jesus, as a man? Oh, I, I see uh, men as trees. Pray for him again. Oh, now I see clearly. We could preach a whole series on trees, what they represent. Figurative language. In the Bible, when you find God speaking in plurality to to a group, now remember, He never deals directly to a group. He may speak to a group through a prophet, but He never deals directly to a group. He deals directly to an individual outside of Israel, and that's the economy in a different light. He speaks of them as Mount Zion. Now, we know that Mount Zion, in the Scripture, I put the Scripture in your lesson, Mount Zion and Eden was referred to in the same sense. So Zion always speaks of the bride. So the New Jerusalem over here in Revelation that comes down from God at the end, that's called New Jerusalem or Mount Zion, which is the habitation of the family of God or immortals, so to speak. That city that's out there in another dimension that you can't see now comes and blends the dimensions together, taking hold of every one of them. Seven dimensions. Now He takes charge of every one of those dimensions where God is ruling over it all, taking headship over all the creation of God. That we enter in and out of literally. You still with me this morning? Okay. If I stand up here, and I've tried this and it didn't work, and I refer to you as goats, Listen up, goats. You most of the time will draw back, shut down, or get offended. Now, if I said now, how many knows that you're the sheep of his pastor," I say, oh, yeah, that's me. You didn't get offended by that. Well, I called you a four-legged animal both times. Yeah, but one one of them's goat is always butt, butt, butt. But the lamb, is meek. okay, now then you begin to understand the language of sheep and goats. Remember when Jesus talked to the shepherds and the people out there, they didn't have a theological education where he could say, now the hermeneutics of this right here and the theology and eschatology of what I'm fixing to say is 2,000 years down the road and you won't understand, but they're going to build a denomination. They're going to call themselves Baptist methods, whatever, and it's going to be a great more of heartless, whatever. They didn't understand that. He talked to them about fishing. He talked to them about losing the corn. He talked to them about wheat and tares, sheep and the pasture. They could understand that communication. So he spoke to them in parables and figurative language so they could understand the kingdom of God, which is the word of God made liberty, life, and power to you. So if you believe and confess that you are a sheep of God, that He is your shepherd, you can follow that parable a little bit and come to the reality that God is here. He is your leader. He's your blesser. He's in charge of you. He's on the throne of your heart. You never was lost. You never will be lost. He's a shepherd of your soul. And He keeps you. And He's here. He's wanting you to understand by being a sheep... That you are a receiver. You trust Him to lead you to the water. You trust Him to lead you to green pasture. You trust Him to clothe you, to feed you, and build you a house. All those things I'll give unto you, but seek you first, the kingdom of God, or have an ear to hear what the shepherd is saying to you. Somebody say, Praise the Lord. Amen. All right. So when we hear... The terms sheep, trees, goats, wheat, tares. It's communication. It's painting a symbolic language, a picture. We had a man come down this hour from Kentucky Hillbilly's what we like to call him. You wonder why Brother Branham didn't go over with the Dr. Jones University? Dr. Fuller in California Theology. Dr. So-and-so up here, high spiritual leaders and whatever. His haints and kaints and down-home country spin that you can listen to for 45 minutes, and when you listen, he hadn't really done said done nothing. It gets, Except get you caught up in the rhythm of the Word of God to attract your soul, to settle your spirit, to about 15 or 20 minutes in there, He could speak to your soul. And you walked away and thought it was wonderful, talked about how you felt in the presence of oh, glory to God, it felt so good, but what did it do to your soul? In the following weeks, did you all of a sudden say, My, now, that I, that's what the Bible was saying. Boy, I see that. Glory to God. Look at that. And look at that. Because peace and joint and whatever more. If you don't see the foot, you can't see the leg. If you can't see the leg, you can't see the hip and the hip and the bottom. You can't get up to the head. Joint supplies, every joint, leg, so on, so on, so on, so on. It grows. Yes. You're born a baby, so to speak. A 30-year-old baby, 40-year-old baby, whatever you were born again. And now you start growing but now you're growing spiritually yes. by spiritual language yes. spiritual food in due season yes. that's the reason why you have a thirst and a hunger to join yourself to the body of Christ in the presence of God that God can feed your soul yes. people are hungry they're drying up, dying of thirst because the soul is not open and in tune with God Himself. Amen. Okay, let's read the text and we'll get back to, we'll close this morning. The reason why the mystery of the garden, the serpent seed is the greatest mis, uh, misinterpreted, misunderstood doctrine in theology. And they're still arguing about it. I read the other day where uh, I looked up and I just typed in two trees in the garden. My it took me to some Catholic theologian, what more, some... What, what talk, they started through there. said, well, the two trees was basically uh, uh, to this and to that, what or more. And then basically they come down to the serpent. And they said, now, some people teach that that serpent and the original sin was a sexual act between Adam and Eve. Which that was heresy. The church denounces that. And the leader of that is William Branham. And you can punch on his name. And it goes over here to tell you who William Branham was. But all the theologians said, now, you know what? If it was sexual, look, and I've, had, I've argued with a the Baptist theologian this The Bible said eat. Eat means I chew something up, swallow it. You're telling me it was a sexual union. How can that be eaten? I said, well, put it like this. Eat means to partake. No, no, no. Eat means to chew, bite, chew, and swallow. I said, oh, brother, 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 brother. How are you ever going to be born again? And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, or life. Man became a living soul, like I said, with a beginning with no end. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Eden being now the headquarters of God. God's heaven on earth. God's presence here, God's authority here. Yes. here he begins his rule and he forms this man out of the dirt outside of Eden and puts him over into the garden which is the presence of God of which we know by the sin he gets kicked out of the presence and put back out here in Eden like the man in the in the parable. where did you where did you get that garment? what are you doing in here? He had a garment on. But the garment must not have been white enough. and There's something wrong with the garment because Jesus said, How did you get in here? Brother Bam said he slipped in the back door or he slipped under anointing. But he had an anointing on him and he went in. But Jesus kicked him out into the great tribulation. Beware you Pentecostals who think speaking in tongues is the presence of God. How did you get into this marriage supper? What is your garment? What is your revelation? What is your confession? Oh, Lord. He's not going to take, I believe this, I, Brother Branham, what more? Yes, the prophet done that. Brother Branham done that. But who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? That's the question that requires an answer. Who is Jesus to you? What does He mean to you? What do you know about Him? Not what mama knows, daddy knows. What do you know about him? What revelation did you take to the water? What is your confession today? What is your vision? Where are you going? What do you see? I want the musicians could come. We'll, we'll watch now. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. So he had a body formed out of the dirt, outside of the presence of God. We see that the garden, as I said before, is not the garden of Eden, which is referred to by the prophet as that and the writers as that. But we see by text that it was a garden in Eden, and it was not always there. I think it would come down from heaven like an anointing, and there was a residence or a, a power, a presence built there where God planted everything that was good for Him to dwell in the presence. It was a special, I almost call it a dimension here on earth. Because no one could go in there, but we find out that you could be kicked out of there. These people out here in Eden didn't run in and out. Only Adam and Eve was in there. They was placed in there by God's own choosing By God's own election, by God's own predestination, were they placed into the presence of Almighty God. The same today. If you're in the world, or you come out of a Pentecostal church, or come out of the first and second pull of the anointing, God's predestination had to choose you as His bride, had to know you before the foundation of the world, And He took you and He placed you into the perusia, the presence of Almighty God, and opened up the understanding of Himself by you eating the open book. Come out of her, My people. You could not come out and go in unless you were chosen, elected, and called by Almighty God. How about letting us pick this up next week, all right? People has got a lot of questions. Where did Cain get his wife? Well, it doesn't take much multiplication to find that out. Because Eden was a country or a land. I guess God is the one that named it. That's what it's called in the Bible. Beside the kingdom of Eden or the state of Eden was a land called Nod. I don't know who called it Nod. I don't even know what Nod means. Maybe it means Nod. I need to look up the word Nod and see what it means. It could be the land of the hypocrites. It could be the land of the unbelievers. It could be Barren. It could be what? I don't, I don't know what the but Cain took and went into Nod. All right, who did he take for his wife? Josephus said, and Brother Bram quoted, and I'll give you the quote where he quoted, that Adam and Eve had approximately 70 children, both male and female, after they was kicked out of Eden. There's a whole lot of manufacturing going on there. Seventy. We have trouble with one or two. Say Amen. We don't. We, I know it's cold outside, church, but our hearts should be warm. You see, this is just a privilege God give us. I know. Uh, let's just put it this way, Brother Branham was talking to Brother Lee. Brother Lee said, "Brother Branham, you talk about this perfect love that we should have one for another. You talk about how we should love each other and fellowship and what are more." He said, "I don't have this love that you're talking about. I just don't have it." Brother Brown says, sure, Brother Lee, you got it. He said, now look, I know me, and I know that I don't have what I hear you saying that I would do and have if I had this perfect love. I don't have it. Well, he said, now I want to explain to you what I mean. Now, okay, here's another language. Have you ever done anything for anybody that you really didn't want to do, but you done it anyway? Yeah, all the time. That's what I'm talking about. So some of you here this morning, not because you really wanted to be here, but maybe mama, daddy, or wife or influence. But you're here. Hopefully you're here even if you don't really want to be, but you've expressed perfect love to come and gather yourself together to hear the Word of God with the hope and the plea from God to take preeminence in our life to bring us under subjection that He could be our head rule and reign us and lead us by His Spirit as sons and daughters of God. Amen. Amen. Let's stand this morning, would you? Heavenly Father, We believe that you gathered us together this morning. And for the few souls that have come and united themselves together, even those who did not find it, the time or the energy or the way that we have to appear or do this service, that something else entered into their heart and lives to distract them from gathering together with God's saints. I pray that you will find grace in your sight. And somehow even through our carnality and basically our inability to obey and to learn. That you would take preeminence in our hearts. And Lord we understand that when the preachers tell us that you have to take perfect control in us even as in Jesus. We understand that that is not happening in our lives as was spoken. If we're honest with you and with ourselves, we understand that you do not have complete preeminence in our lives. We desire that you would have, but we do recognize the fulfilling of that commission in one man who became the very prisoner of Almighty God, even as Jesus was. And he done all those things, even though the physical body and the mind may not want it to, but perfect love prevailed. And he was subject himself in his life to your spirit to minister to us the words of life, that we call the message of this hour. We understand that we'll never be to that place until we are changed and our mortal bodies are gone away and we're in your divine presence. But help us, Lord, in the ability of being able to hear that one that you took preeminence in and spoke the words of life to us and give us the bread that we would feed on. May our hearts be open this morning to your spirit. May your words be spirit and life to us. But Lord, in this series, in this lesson, in this teaching, open our hearts to understand the symbology, the types, the shadows, that we can come to the spiritual reality of your divine presence and see where we're at in this great drama as we enter into the next stage of this process to the fulfillment and perfection of God. Now we're looking for the great resurrection, the uniting of our bodies that we bypass, serving you and renovating this earth for a thousand years. And enter into that great garden of God for the eternal ages. Thank you for this great plan. Thank you for redemption and the atonement. We pray for Israel this morning. The 144,000. May their expectation be looking for your presence through two prophets. And Lord we look at the politics and the world and everything. And we know that we're right on the brink of the resurrection and the fulfillment of your word. So may every heart. Be open to your presence this morning. Those that are not born again, may they seek the kingdom of God and may you lead them by your spirit into the word for this hour. We ask these petitions in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that you hear us because we speak through the blood of the living Christ. So help each one this morning. May they take these lessons and types. May the remembrance of your spirit bring it back to their hearts for only you can teach this and give us understanding. Grant this petition, Lord, and we know and we can thank you for it. And we confess that it is done. And we look for the benefits and the physical manifestation thereof. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen Amen and amen. You can start singing.